With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome in, everybody, to Scott's Eye on Football for this Wednesday, June 23rd. I always say this, but a lot to get to today. I'm uh, going to cover a few things that uh, we got on the docket. Uh, we're going to pick up a little bit uh, where we just left off last week, talking about some offensive schemes and get people an understanding of different teams in the NFL and what, what are their offensive schemes and kind of what their modus operandi is on offense. We're going to continue through that. Uh, depending on how much we get through there, in fact, it'll take a while, um, and it, it will really depend upon your questions that you want to ask. We always like to involve that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about maybe some um, some uh, some key position battles uh, on teams in the NFL, so we'll get to look at that. Uh, got a question about how recruiting is going around the country in terms of team rankings. Uh, don't really... I think there's people can overreact a little bit too much to that, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about uh, maybe go through each of the leagues and then nationally how things shape up at this stage, but really is more to do with how many commitments you have at this point. So if you got got seven commitments, somebody's got 14, well, it's it's going to look different. If you're recruiting at the same level, you're, you're not going to be rated as high. And I think you got to look at the, the quality of who you've gotten committed to this point. And, of course, none of it really matters until we get to uh, the uh, December. So um, I'm going to step away just for a second. I'll be right back. Pardon me, I find it a little bit warm in here, so I go ahead and want to make a little bit of an adjustment there to the have a special air condition here in the office so wanted to get to that so pause for that apologize for that so we're going to get into those things uh want to tell you that over at Landry football we've got a number of things going that we're really excited about obviously working through pretty much getting through the the end of the SEC we'll get through all the team breakdowns you know how that works I've told you many times before but recap everything that's going on in the offseason um, giving you a projected depth chart giving you um, uh, how players graded on last year's team um, an evaluation of the incoming recruiting class giving you a draft checklist for the class of 2022 2023 2024 um, and, you know, kind of an overview of kind of how we see the season. Uh, 
So we've got that. Going to be obviously doing uh, the same thing in the NFL. Different, different formula on how we do it. But a lot of things coming up in the NFL, as well as a lot of work I've been doing on the NFL Draft 2022. I'll begin to take you position by position with some notes on guys that are, I think, should be high on the checklist position by position for next year's draft. So the college breakdowns, the NFL breakdowns, um, the NFL draft, recruiting, we got it all for you here and in more depth and uh, more detail at Landry Football. I invite you every day to check out the notebooks. Um, for example, in college football, chock full of information every day. If you want to know, for example, in yesterday's notebook, um, the latest on Trevor Atien, Travis Atien's little brother, and what type of player he is and who he's uh, seriously considering. Uh, we've got commitments, um, well, some key um, players that are announcing their pledge early July, tell you who they are um, and, and where they're likely going to go, some transfer information. We've got some verbal commitments from places like Virginia to Virginia Tech, Indiana, um, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. Just got two big running back commitments yesterday. I got the details on that. Uh, you know, Arizona and USC and Texas Tech. Um, Memphis. We have a lot of that stuff. You want to begin to know more and more about these players. Boston College, another one. UCLA um, getting one. Um, you know, any transfer portal news. We got it all for you um, up to date there. Um, we've got um, in the NFL notebook what's going on around the NFL workouts and how players are doing, what's going on. Uh, got some notes in there. Uh, for example, um, about uh, how they plan to use certain players. You got some news and notes about the Falcons and uh, Cordell Patterson yesterday, and kind of what they're working on with him. Some of the signings, um, Antonio Brown status, how Saquon Barkley's coming off of his injury. So lots of stuff each and every day that gives you a good feel for where things are going in the workouts and whatnot. So check all of that out today. Notebooks previews, analysis, we got it all for you. Um, little plug, we're going to get back with the Landry Football Podcast tomorrow. We've had a change. We've left the radio influence, folks, that um, we're not really happy with um, some stuff going on there. So we are moved on, but we're going to continue the Landry Football Podcast, certainly for now, and we'll see about you know how you folks feel about it. We are in the process of of changing our relationship with the people that are going to be um, marketing uh, and promoting our podcast, the SEC podcast, the Scouts Eye podcast, the Landry Football podcast. So we're going to do the Scouts Eye and Landry Football. I don't know, uh, but we've got some other things planned that we're really excited about that we're working on um, this summer. Um, with uh, a, a group that's going to be able to bring you a lot of different things that um, that you're going to like. So uh, be patient. What we're going to ask for all of you to do, certainly keep to watch it, but certainly to, to subscribe um, to Landry Football's conference call for now. And you can catch the Landry Football podcast now. Um, uh, it's no longer going to be part of where you sign up for Radio Influence. So... Landry Football's conference call where you want to go. There's going to be a different place to sign up 
when we transition the podcast over to the podcast park group in Atlanta, which is our plan. And we'll tell you about that and, and, and how you can help support that without, you know, it's free, but it'll take a little bit to, you know, just subscribe. And I know all of you do it. No, you've been very supportive. Continue to watch it live. The plan is to continue to do it live as well. So a lot of things going on tomorrow. I'm going to talk about on the Landry football podcast about, I'm going to take you back to how some of the coaching search searches take a life of their own. And the reason I'm doing it is because this can be applied to a lot of football searches that I've been involved in. But for those of you that have listened to the SEC show, we do talk, it's called SEC Football and Beyond. So we do talk a lot of SEC, mostly SEC football. But we do talk NFL, we do talk other things. Um, And we have talked a little bit about the college baseball situation and the opening at LSU. For those of you who know, having coached football at LSU, went to school at LSU, living in Baton Rouge, it's a big thing. It's not something that I probably would just do on my own, but it is intriguing. And there's some interesting storylines and drama. And what has happened in this coaching search behind the scenes is far more interesting than who they're ultimately going to hire. And I'm going to equate that to a Michigan coaching search um, in a bygone day and, and how that played out behind the scenes and how it played out publicly. I think you're going to be interesting. I've talked about it before, but it's a refresher for those of you who heard it. For those of you who haven't heard it, I think you're going to find it fascinating. So join us tomorrow on that. So uh, we always like to say and appreciate Kev, Woodchet King, joining us and cheering us on a few bits. Um, and you can do that. Folks, if you are listening to this in a podcast, you can watch us live by going to uh, twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. Um, or just go to landryfootball.com and click on follow Chris on Twitch. And uh, click on the heart button. Please join us in the chat room. Subscribe to our channel, Chris Landry Football. Great way of supporting what we do. If you're an Amazon Prime member, it's including in your membership. And we um, and it, we appreciate you. It's a great way of supporting what we do and allows you to become a Chris Landry Football Insider. So um, you can subscribe. Uh, if you're not an Amazon Prime member, you can subscribe by clicking on the same subscription button and follow the directions there. So please spread the word to your friends there. Um, we are uh, certainly looking to grow with great folks like you. So uh, your questions, we'll take it as we go. Uh, and we'll kind of integrate it in as I always do, so be patient. But one of the things we did, and we took you through, I started towards the end of last week's show talking a little bit about the offensive schemes and how NFL teams, um, each team kind of approaches the offense. We're going to do this on the offense and defensive side for all the teams. We went through, we just had a little time, I think, I know we went through the C's, and I Purposely did that, so I had a had a uh, reminder that uh, we, we can start with the Ds. So we ended with the Browns. And <clears throat> so we'll start with the Ds, and, and we're going to integrate through that, and then we're going to talk a little bit about that, and um, and uh, we'll, we'll see where we go in terms of time and get to a cutoff point. But um, the Dallas Cowboys um, is a scheme that's evolving. It's, it's uh, I think what you're going to see them do this year is putting, r- running the shotgun a little bit more. This has been a team that's been built by, by their offensive line in the running game around Zeke Elliott. Now, I think that 
um, <clears throat> they are evolving a little bit, particularly with um, Mike McCarthy there, a big trips formation team. And they were, um, they were top five in the league in running trip sets, three wide receiver sides. Michael Gallup is the isolated X receiver on one side, and then uh, C.D. Lamb lined up in the slot, and Amari Cooper is the Z receiver on the wide side. So they're big trip set. Um, you know, they feel like they can be more effective running, uh, throwing it now than in, in the early stages of Dak. We'll see. They paid him a ton of money. We'll see where it goes. But they're going to run a lot of outside zone and then play action off of that. That's kind of their uh, modus operandi on offense. Uh, Denver is, uh, look, they've got a young quarterback in Drew Locke that they, they've got to hide. They feel like they need to hide. They need to keep everything um, uh, kind of tailored towards making it a lot of simple reads and keep him away from making the key mistakes across the middle of the field. They're going to try to work outside the numbers a lot. They're going to try to make sure that they keep the ball out of the middle of the field where their turnovers can be at an alarming rate. They um, Denver finished second uh, last year in the deep throw rate. Um, they need to continue to do that. They need to get the safety out of the short area of the field because they've got to be able to run the football. And so they're going to have to throw the football downfield. How much do they go to Teddy Bridgewater? How much does it change if they have to put Teddy in? Teddy, Teddy can throw deep if he gets a good set in the pocket, but he's not a great arm talent guy. So I think they're going to be interesting in that they have a more cerebral, accurate, but very, very limited physically Teddy Bridgewater and a more gifted physically Drew Locke that's not as good with his progressions, seeing the field, and keeping the ball out of harm way, uh, on harm's way. Locke has, uh, Locke has trouble throwing to receivers on the move. That's a big problem, and that's certainly something that when you run in, in college, they run a lot of curl routes, a lot of face-up routes, I call it. That's a big difference, and that's part of when people look at things like completion percentage. Well, if you don't know what type of routes they're running, and that, that's – uh, that's completely out of the window. Uh, Drew Locke has trouble throwing the guys on the move, and so it takes the slant route, uh, the skinny pose, and, you know, it, it, it limits its effectiveness, if not uh, eliminates it in some cases. So we'll see how well that develops. Uh, Detroit, they were one of the more pass-heavy teams during the Matthew Stafford era. Um, they were a team that got behind a lot, so they had to do that. And then Matt, that fit what Matthew wanted to do. Um, that's not what Dan Campbell, Anthony Lynn wants to do, and it's not what you want to do in, with Jared Goff. Um, you know, Lynn, when he was with the Chargers, threw the ball a lot, but they had Phillip Rivers. When he was with the Bills in 2016 as a coordinator, they, they were the last at throwing it. So I think those two guys... Um, are going to want to be a run-first offense, which is a lot of what <clears throat> Sean McVay did in, in, in Los Angeles with golf, uh, and I think that's what they're going to try to do. Um, the Bills 
under Lynn like to pull a lot. Um, I think we're um, probably going to see more heavy outside zone looks for uh, Detroit this year. To, and I think that'll that'll play well into what they want to do with Goff. Um, Green Bay, uh, Matt LaFleur. Uh, it's a modern offense with a quarterback. And again, we know the situation with Aaron Rodgers. But it's a lot of... They like to run, and again, this really is pertinent when you have um, an elite quarterback you, as opposed to a younger guy. You like to run a lot of pre-snap motions, um, and they do a lot of that. Now, what you do is you kind of undress, for lack of a better term, defensive coverage. Um to identify pre-snap what you're going to do, and that allows quarterback to get an easy read, to read your mail a little bit. But it also, when you run a lot of motion, it really sets up the jet sweep. So those are two reasons why LaFleur likes to run a lot of that. But um, they were second in, uh, in running a lot of RPOs. So now they run a lot of screens. So they have a lot of built-in screens and they've got Devontae Adams. So a lot of what they do is a lot of, you know, let's work it, get it in Devontae Adams' hands as quick as we can. So everything they do in a lot of that pre-snap motion leads to jet sweeps, and if you get the, the, the wrong read, then you can just have the built-in bubble screen. So you've got really, you know, some options pre-snap. And a quarterback that they're very comfortable saying, your call. This is what's built in. You've got basically three directions you could go, and your read will take you to that. Um, they were um, the the they throw the football wide. Um, they work a lot of out routes, a lot of a lot of um, go routes. Um, now, I think if they have to play or they choose to play Jordan Love or whatever happens there, let's address that then I think what you're going to see is a lot of uh, under center, not shotgun, and then outside zone and bootlegs because it gives half-field reads and, and it helps in, in that regard. For the Houston Texans, um, Tim Kelly, coordinator there, David Culley, um, quarterback situation is, look, it's, it's Tyrod Taylor's job right now. Don't know that Davis Mills can earn it at some point during the year. But we're talking about two guys, a veteran backup and a young guy in Davis Mills that's probably will be a young backup candidate that, um, in my opinion, probably will never grade out as a starting caliber quarterback but could start depending on the situation. Um, they're not going to... Um, you know, they're not going to be able to handle and work in the five protection uh, game that they've used before and let Deshaun Watson bail them out. They can't do that anymore. So uh, they're going to have to they're gonna eliminate the quarterback runs uh, and they're going to have to work heavy on the inside zone. Um, so I think those are going to be key. Uh, the team ranked first in inside zone runs last year. So... I think a more diverse running attack is where they need to go offensively. Indianapolis, um, 
it, this is one of the more intriguing storylines. Frank Wright is being reunited with Carson Wentz. Uh, they were together in Philadelphia. Uh, the 2017 offense had a lot of spread concepts. Um, the Eagles were one of the top ten in the league when Frank was there and running 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, and the fourth to fifth in shotgun snaps. So uh, we're going to see a little bit more of that, I think. Um, there's some elements of the quarterback run designs or options to the quarterback to run. We'll see what he does with that. And uh, because the key is going to be, I think, getting Carson Wentz comfortable in his confidence back, which appeared to be shattered in Philly. Jacksonville, what's expected there? Urban Meyer's there. Daryl Bevel's there. Um, and, um, you know, uh, Brian Schottenheimer's there. Uh, we're going to see a lot of play action. Uh, I think that we'll see the play fake. Uh, I think they're going to boot him. I think you want to run a lot of play action boot where he doesn't turn his back to the defense, but gives him a boot option to give him half field reads and some run options. And, you know, I think they'll, they'll work to get him comfortable in the pocket too. Um, now, with Schottenheimer was in Seattle with Russell Wilson. They ran a lot more boots, but and that's a lot to do with the height of Russell Wilson. With, say, Matthew Stafford, Darrell Bevel worked a lot of the pocket. Well, Matthew's more of a pocket guy. So um, I think you're going to see a little bit of combination what makes Trevor Lawrence comfortable. Um, I think Lawrence of the two is more like Stafford, more of a pocket. He's got really good ability to, to, to uh, work his body in the pocket. I think play-action boots are going to real be a part of what they do. But we're going to see some sideline th sideline throws. Um, I think the strength is he can stretch the field sideline to sideline with his arm. So I think you need to you need to work defenses that way. If you can do that, make them have to defend that, then it helps you in the run game. Um. We know the Chiefs' offense is great. You want to know a little bit about conceptually how they do it, schematically how they do it. What they do is uh, if you're a basketball fan and you follow the Chicago Bulls with the triangle offense, uh, the late uh, Tex Winter um, designed that for Phil Jackson. It is um, the Chiefs' offense is based on a weak side triangle. It takes the tight end as the isolated receiver on the backside. Um, and you got trips formation. Have a Tyreek Hill as the innermost slot and releasing the running back to the weak side. Okay? So you've got basically Kelsey, the isolated receiver, and then you've got the back to the weak side, and you've got Tyreek Hill as the innermost slot guy. They use the trips formation with the tight end, uh, isolated on the backside more than anyone else in the league. That formation was about 20% of what they did. Um, and it's a, you know, why it's so difficult. You know, we can talk about scheme all you want. Why, why, people, why don't more people do it? It's not the scheme. It is, it is the talent. It is the ingredient. And if you've got the choice ingredients, and then you've got the great chef to use the right seasoning, that's what makes it so difficult. 
So um, what do you do it defensively? you, you got to make some decisions, pick your poison, if you will. If you've got two of the top players at their position, they're creating a high-low and side-to-side -side stretching of the defense. Okay? So you've got a high-low stretch, a horizontal stretch, I mean a vertical stretch, a horizontal stretch. You've got to make some decisions. So it spreads people out because you have to defend the seam, you have to defend the back horizontally, and then, oh, by the way, they've got this quarterback that can roll out, extend a play. When all else breaks down, he can throw it underhanded, sidearm, backwards, between his legs. You know, um, we talked about RPLs in some of what Green Bay runs. They're at top five. The number one RPL team is the Chiefs. Uh, and the post-snap RPOs, which Mahomes pulls down to throw downfield routes, that's the best they've seen. That, that's the best that it is in the league. Um, it, it's just it's a, it's, it's the most effective, so no question about it. Uh, I see you there. I see Rich Coach and Blake has uh, joined Kevin and Woodchuck King. Got you there. Good morning. And, yeah, I got, uh, got your questions. We're going to get to them, I promise, so... Stay tuned. Um, the Raiders, John Gruden. Um, a lot of what Gruden still likes to do with everything is still, it's kind of like the base of what he believes in is um, West Coast derivatives. Uh, he runs a lot of motion. He loves to work under center. He's not is into RPOs. Um, the play action, the use of play actions, it's it's they're below the middle of the pack. But their deep pass rate took a big time shift. Two years they threw with with before Gruden got there, they were in the lower tier of deep ball chunk shots. Um, they've changed that. It was a top ten deep ball chunk shots this past year. Um, the quarterback accuracy, um, and, and I think Carr is underrated in terms of accuracy, and he's helped the the Raiders, you know, produce. Um, some of the best yard after catch reception. If you see yard after catch success, everybody says, "Well, that's that's great in the receiver." When you break down tape, yeah, you know you can see on a screen, you know, a, a screen a guy make plays. But run after catch, you think guy that has speed, making miss ability, power to break tackles, right? The quarterback's accuracy is pivotal. Getting the ball out on time on screens. Getting the ball six inches in front on a on a, a slant route, that's the difference between breaking a tackle and getting tackled. So the accuracy, that is where I think sometimes people just equate all the success or failure to one aspect of one position and over or miss understand the role of other positions and their effect on it. Um, the running game, there's a lot of inside zone split that they run. That's 
that's Gruden's, um, um, <clears throat> you know, um, you know, but no, De Derek Carr here, uh, Derek Carr is very, 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 very underrated. Football people, I think, I think fans are not as high on him, but again, um, looking at it as a fan and, and understanding the game, Derek, Derek Carr is, is definitely, you know, in the, in the top half of the league in terms of quarterbacks. There's no doubt about that. Um, the Chargers have brought in Joe Lombardi um, to run a lot of what they did in New Orleans. Joe Lombardi, who, by the way, is Vince Lombardi's grandson. Um, and, you know, you've got Justin Herbert. And the Saints have a diverse offense, and what he's learned is a really diverse offense. Um, they have a unique running game. Um, now, Herbert really progressed and played well. He's not as good at throwing um, over the middle of the field and around linebackers, but he's got a big, big arm, and he can go deep. So the Saints haven't done that. Um, you know, if you look at the Saints, they've been a horizontal team with Drew Brees. They've not gone as deep. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think they're going to work the vertical passing game. But I think when you can work the field vertically, folks, the better you can throw deep, the easier it is to throw underneath. You create spacing. So, um, and the better you can run the football. So that's going to be the key to get him comfortable throwing over the middle of the field. Well, how do you do that? you got to throw deep. You've got to move the safeties. And then you've got to be able to get the ball out on time. But Justin Herbert lived off of his physical abilities, which are really, really good. Now he's got to take that next step, and we'll see what he can do uh, in, in terms of being able to do just that. Because I think this team's and this roster is pretty good, Chargers are. The Rams, uh, the other team in L.A., or the team in L.A., whatever you want to call it, the Sean McVay offense is always, a you know, people talk about Sean McVay, the dynamo, and this, that. What do people think? Oh, man, throw the football. He's a run first, play action next, drop back, don't do any of that. Everything is very little of that. But they brought in Matthew Stafford. So what I always say about coaches, it's not about your system. It's about your ability to develop your system relative to who you have. Well, when you have quarterbacks that he's worked with, for example, uh, including most recently Jared Goff, you want to run the play action. You want to be run first. With Matthew Stafford, do you run more dropback stuff? I, I think that he probably will. Um, the number one it, it team in running play action. Not, not, not saying that they're not graded out the best, but they run it the most. The play action, they've run it more than anybody in football. Um, they've run it off play action more than anybody in football. And they've run it at a top 10 rate. Um, and that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for dropbacks. Now, you had them the run at the Super Bowl, um, you know, but we have not seen a lot of consistency with the running game um, other than that. But um, what McVay thinks he can do is he can create 
spacing and open receivers for Stafford to execute a lot better and with a running game and a defense they feel is better. Um, we'll see how how that uh, how that plays out. Um, Tua, Miami, um, it's going to be interesting. There's no question about it. Uh, both uh, George Gotze and Eric Stoodsville were promoted from within, so they've got kind of a co-coordinator situation. They're going to, I can tell you what they're going to do. They're going to try to do. They're, they're, their MO is going to be to run the football downhill with inside zone splits, a lot of dual runs. Um, last year they were seventh in RPO uh, attempt rate. That should only get higher with Tua. They need some easy completions and they need to get him going. Look, here's the thing. They can improve working on screens. They were 22nd in the league in running screens and, and grading out running screens. Um, you know, I think under center more will allow more play action passing. The big key for two is he was predominantly a one-read quarterback at Alabama. He works hard. I think he can get better. But the, I, I think as he tries to learn how to understand what he sees, one, and two, which really is one, that's, that should be two. Number one is his height, getting him deep enough in his drops or finding the throwing lanes with his feet horizontally is something he's got to get better at. Those two things, those two things are going to determine how good he is or how good he will be. It's going to take time. It's going to take development. But that will determine how good a player he can be. Minnesota, um, under the Kubiaks, um, the Vikings are a heavy outside zone team. They ran the outside zone uh, the most in 2019. And I know last year they were seventh. Uh, and they become a little bit more downhill. Uh, so they've got a little bit more balance in the running attack. That's what it means. So one thing that differentiates Minnesota is as an outside zone unit compared to the other counterparts is that they use a fullback. Overall, no NFL team ran more running plays from a two-back formation last year than Minnesota. They're more willing to have their lead backer. Some of those eight, some 80% of those runs were lead runs. So that means we can expect a lot of two deep route concepts off play action. So when you see the fullback and you see the uh, lead runs, you're going to have two man deep routes concepts off of play action. Okay, um, and they've got a good one-two punch with Thielen and Justin Jefferson. With better offensive line play, that's the key. Kirk Cousins can make good decisions. He's limited physically. But with a better running game and better offensive line play, that's what they're betting on. That the quarterback can play better if you play well around him. Kirk Cousins is not going to win for you. But you can win with him, but you've got to be good enough to do that. In New England, Cam Newton is at the helm. They've switched a run-heavy scheme under him. Uh, they still went under center with him, which is not what he does, but... That's what they do. They run all sorts of schemes. No one is more diverse. They run split zone. They run lead zone. They run power. They run counter. They run outside zone. When they did get in the shotgun uh, to run the ball, 70% of those plays have a quarterback run element threat in it. The runs, 
th those runs don't actually go anywhere, though. Uh, not a lot of success with it. But uh, the passing game will evolve around two tight end sets. John o. Smith, Hunter Henry were picked up. They stay healthy. It's going to be key. Then what they're going to run is a lot of in-breaking routes off play action. What have I always explained about what Cam Newton did well in the passing game? He worked the in-cut routes with the tight ends. You know, Greg Olson was a big weapon for him in Carolina. So what they're going to do in New England or try to do is run with the tight ends, John o. Smith and Hunter Henry, and then work the play action off of that. A key note, and I, for those of you that are members of LandryFootball.com, I detailed how impressed, and I talked with the Patriots coaches um, about Mac Jones, and they were surprised on the positive side how quickly he's been able to pick up the playbook. Not saying he's going to start early, have an impact, impact early, don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. It's training camp that will determine that. But he understands things really well, and that's something to look out, out for. Uh, hard to. And again, I um, appreciate that Kevin, Blake, and everybody um, uh, reaching it. See you there. Appreciate you. Let me get through a few more of these and maybe try to get through, and we'll get to your questions there. The Saints, and this is an offense um, that for it's the. We've seen Drew Brees be injured, and Sean Payton devise game plans and tailor an offense around whoever's quarterback. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, Taysom Hill, uh, Jameis Winston, most recently. Um, you know, we've we've seen you know him have to do that, but this is a different look because this is no Drew Brees. And the, the basic premise of the offense is going to change. So to kind of take you back to take you forward, the Saints offense had more pass concepts in it in terms of the number of formations, the number of route combinations of anybody in the league. They had more than Kansas City, more than anybody. They had more of that in the playbook than anybody. Um, because... They relied so much on Drew Brees and being able to, okay, we can't go as much vertically. We can attack and make side adjustments based on personnel in the huddle and at the snap make side adjustments based on a lot of different concepts and a number of different directions we can go. Sean will have to cut that down um, in order to give a lot of cleaner looks because he doesn't have in Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston – guys that can be able to adapt to that, see that, and get them into the right set. So they're going to run probably more under center, but if Hill's the starter or when Hill plays, how much he plays, it's still going to be more shotgun to give the ability to court, to have the quarterback design runs. Because if you're going to have Taysom Hill in the game, unless you're in a short-yarded situation. You want him in the gun most of the time because it brings in the run threat, even if it's not the run. But I think you're going to see them play a lot under center. The running game, um, they run a lot of stretch plays with Alvin Kamara. Uh, Latavius Murray's running the downhill game. Kamara had 99 carries on outside zone, while Murray had 104 on inside zone. So it's pretty clear what they try to do. 
uh, with our offense. And I think you're going to see that, but I think you're going to see less pass concepts. Um, you'll see some gun, but I think you're going to see limits and maybe more vertical shots with Jameis Winston, with Taysom Hill. You're going to see more shotgun than, than with Winston, although you're going to see some of both with uh, with either who's going to play. I expect Winston, it's Winston's job to lose. Uh, and then Taysom Hill, that's the plan. If Taysom Hill has to start, it's going to look more like, you know, the Ravens offense than anything else with a with a good quarterback in Taysom Hill, but not quite the dynamic athlete that Lamar Jackson is, but certainly be very, very limited as a passing offense with Taysom Hill. It, it'll, it'll, it'll be Winston unless he's turning the ball over at an alarming rate and they can't play. The Giants. Um, you know, when Jason Garrett was there uh, in 20, uh, they, they didn't have a real good pace to their offense. And um, Daniel Jones had a lot of quick game passes, and the offense was kind of stagnant because they were really restricted. Jones is, is not a great short thrower. Um, so they did run play action uh, quite a bit last year, but they were only 18th as a team in averaging depth of routes on non-RPO plays. So that's something they've got to correct. Uh, this is an offense that really uh, was near the bottom of the league in routes of 15-plus yards. So the rushing attack is a lot of downhill runs, a lot of dual power counter. They're pretty average. They've got a lot more weapons. I'm looking to see if they'll stretch the field a little bit more, and the protection will have to coincide with that. The Jets, look, they're running the Niners version, the Shanahan offense, and that's what they're going to do to be quarterback friendly with the rookie Zach Wilson, to give him a lot of runs, a lot of bootlegs, and uh, and and that's basically a lot of what he did at BYU. So um, now you're not going to see the receivers run wide open like they did in college. So um, they've got to be able to work the um, the quick release game. He's going to have to be good with the intermediate in breaking routes. They're going to have to do what the Niners did with Jimmy Garoppolo, but Zach's going to have to learn it even quicker because he's right there, you know, coming out of college. Um, Garoppolo struggled some over the middle seeing linebackers. Zach's going to have to be better with those. Um, you're going to have to throw around those backers and work the short passing game. To go from BYU um, – you, you might see a lot of pistol stuff they may do because he did some of that at BYU. I think they're going to make it very quarterback friendly to him. <clears throat> um, the um, the Eagles are going to to figure out a way to crash an offense for Jalen Hurts. Got real concerns about this offense with Jalen. Nick Sirianni comes in, worked under Frank Wright. And they he was also around when they worked things with Carson Wentz. But I, I think you may see some spread offense in a lot of zone reads and a lot of quarterback runs. I think that's what they do. I think what if you go back to some of the Oklahoma stuff that they did, um, they had a they could use a diverse running game where they use a quarterback counter and a quarterback power to go along with the option stuff. A lot of play action. 
and to try to get basically that play action is to get the safeties biting so that you can have deeper crossing routes. Because Jalen Hurts, you don't want him throwing into coverage. You don't want him throwing outside accuracy. So you want to create spacing in the middle of the field, deeper crossing routes. Um, that's something accuracy is what I'm going to be concerned and what I'm going to be watching out with the, the Eagles. The Steelers, um, Matt Canada has got a unique spin. Um, I'm curious to see what he's going to do with Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, it's going to be to his comfort level. But the Steelers played in the shotgun. They were top five in the league shotgun. For a team that likes to run power, that's what they're built on. Brought in Najee Harris. Um, you know, they weren't a big pre-snap motion. Uh, I think, I can tell you, Matt Canada lives and believes on pre-snap motion. And the Steelers were, you know, bottom <clears throat> bottom quarter of the league in pre-snap motion. So we'll see how that meshes. Um, Roethlisberger likes to sit in a shotgun, catch the snap, stand there, and get rid of it as fast as possible. And, you know, I think they've lost their identity, and I think they've lost their toughness. I think they need to run the football more. I think he needs to be under center more. I think that um, he's going to have some influence in the offense. Um, be interesting to see where this goes because I think the key is Big Ben can be effective on play action, be effective if they don't rely on him doing everything as much. And I think work on the run game is only going to help things and only help augment that passing game, which has been, again, so reliant upon the run. They haven't focused as much on the run. San Francisco, we know what they are. Kyle Shannon is an outside zone team. Uh, that was, you know, his dad, Mike, was the originators of the offense. But he's evolved. Remember what I say. You don't take a scheme. You develop a scheme, and you modify your scheme. You build off the scheme. Football coaching is a game of constant adjustment. Bring the thinkers, not the guys that I'm bringing this scheme. Because when you bring that scheme, and that scheme needs to be modified and be adjusted, and you don't have the ability to do it, you got nothing. You got nothing. Well, boy, it used to work. Why doesn't it work? Because he's not able to adjust it. Well, why can't he do it? Because he only knows what he brought in, and he can't modify what he brought in. So, he stuck with it. So what works really, really good doesn't last um, if you don't modify. Shan Kyle Shanahan used a fullback uh, more than his dad's teams did. Kyle Juszczyk is is the, probably the best utilized and certainly well, one of the best, most complete fullbacks in the league. And he runs more counters um, than, than the base run scheme. So like 40% of the Niners' offense is either – um, 21 personnel or 22 personnel. Two backs, one tight end, two backs, two tight ends. With outside zone uh, the, making up about 36% of their run game the past two seasons, that's that's a top five in the league. I mean, that's what they do. Now, they also rank top 10 in power and counter run. Now, as Trey Lance becomes a starter, whenever that is, this year, whatever, and I think you may see some of it this year, we're going to see more quarterback design runs 
in the mix. Seattle, um, Schottenheimer has been moved out in favor of Shane Waldron, who they got from Sean McVay's staff with the Rams. And, you know, Waldron not going to come in and run the Rams offense because what worked um, there is it, it, a little bit more structured and Russell Wilson is not a structure type. He's more of a playmaker type quarterback. So, there again, Shane brought in, hopefully for his ability to adapt and adjust and not bring in a system. Uh, the Seahawks have become a heavy outside zone team. Um, I think if you look at marrying the boot action to the run scheme, that won't change. Um, Wilson, if you look at it, as they've gone to become more outside zone, they really became a top 10 run team. Now, if you take the run scheme and get the boot action, um, that the run scheme is not going to be changed or affected, Wilson excels when he gets outside the pocket. So now what I think we'll see is if you see more of the in-breaking routes, um, then that's not quite the ideal fit of what Wilson can do well. Wilson does not want to throw to the middle of the field. So that's what the Rams offense is built towards. So interesting. Watch the Seahawks and see how many. We'll break it down for you. Do they try to go to the middle field a little bit more and, and kind of challenge Russell Wilson's comfort zone? Or do they try to work around him? That's going to be the key there. Tampa, <clears throat> not going to see a whole lot different from what the Bucs are. What are they? Uh, it's Arian's offense. Leftwich runs it. This is a downhill running attack that creates double teams. They have the running back cut off the linebacker. Movement in open space. They're... Um, they generated the fourth highest rate of rushes when the running back made the cut away from the initial path. So there are a lot of they cut off the linebacker. So it's not a design run. It's it's the back has to make the decision. The play action game comes off the run, and those are where the deep vertical shots. You got play action. You got the linebackers bite. You got Brady can set his feet, and Brady had the second highest average depth of target on play actions of anybody in the league last year. Again, you can throw deep with your legs if you can set your feet. It's not an arm talent issue. It's a leg talent issue if you can set your feet. So they're not going to depart from this. You won't see outside zone or RPO. That's what they are. That's what they do. Um, finally, the last couple of teams, and we'll get to your questions here. The Titans are making a big change, losing Arthur Smith to the Falcons. But this offense is not going to change a whole lot under Todd Dowling. Um, over one-third of the Titans' passes were off play action, and that shouldn't change. Running the ball uh, of their outside zone scheme is going to be predominantly what they do. That's going to stay the same. We should see a shift away from the heavy dose of the running game, though. With Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, they've got two of the best in-breaking route runners in the game. So I think you're going to see a lot of slants, um, uh, a lot of skinny posts, uh, uh, you know, that only makes sense to work 
that end of the game a little bit more. And that quarterback that can throw that well, read it well, the running game that can sell it to the linebackers to give you space, that's what their offense is all about. And then finally, Washington was a, they ran more spread than I think people realized. They get into formations with a, an inline tight end or a fullback less than anybody in the league. <clears throat> they managed to run the ball decently from the spread, inside zone, outside zone, but they couldn't throw it well. The run game could get better. Um, they have a lot of fake jet motion. Uh, they've added Curtis Samuel, which who uh, Rivera likes. So in the passing game, uh, Washington's league low, 6.2 yard average depth of target. Um, that's going to have to change. And they've got um, Fitzpatrick. Um, so we'll see if it means more explosive plays, because without it, they really don't have much to go with uh, at this point. Um, so that's a look at some of the schemes. We'll, we'll get into, as we go forward, we'll t take a look at the defensive schemes and what they try to do there, and uh, we'll get into more stuff. Um, let me get to some questions. That went a little bit longer, and I want to get to some of your questions here. So let's get here in the order. Um, Rich Coach, what was your scouting evaluation of Dow Williams out of Miami, Ricky Waters out of Notre Dame, Chris Gardaki out of of Clemson. Okay, let's get to those real quick. Darrell Williams out of Miami was a big physical guy that I liked, but not, not didn't have a high grade on him. Grade on him had a high grade on Ricky Waters out of Notre Dame. Big talk about a a really good um, a feature uh, back in a West Coast offense. Chris Dardaki out of Clemson, I had a decent grade on, but not real big. Yancey Thickpen, well, we signed Yancey Thickpen. I had a pretty good grade on him. We signed him after his stint with the Steelers with us when, um, um, uh, with the Titans. Uh, Blake says, did you see Mississippi State's comeback beat Virginia last night? Wow, what a game. Yeah, Blake, I did watch it. Uh, it looked like Virginia was taking control of it. And, uh, I mean, they were, they were shutting Mississippi State down. Mississippi State in the, um, in the winner's bracket. Boy, you're in really good shape if you're Mississippi State, you're NC State. Now, obviously, um, Virginia goes from looking like they were headed towards, I was thinking, man, ACC taking control of the College World Series and the Mississippi State contact. What a, what an impressive performance by Mississippi State. They're in good shape. You know, it's hard to believe. I just kind of assume that, you know, all the success with the um, – Mississippi State's head with Ron Popoda. You think they, they've not won a College World Series? You, you kind of think at some point they did. You think about the, um, uh, you know, uh, Will Clark and Palmera. You, you think that they never won it. So interesting. See, maybe maybe it's the after all those years, maybe it's their years. So yeah, some good thoughts. Here. What are your thoughts on the U.S. Open golf? Rich Coach asked. Um, really impressed with John Rahm. All the my thoughts are as good as these guys, and I get what DeChambeau's doing. I get what McElroy's doing. If you can't get up and down consistently, you can't make putts. It's going to be the deciding factor, and that was the deciding factor with uh, John uh, Rahm. Um, Mahomes is finesse, whereas Dak can run over a linebacker. I don't know. Well, Mahomes is definitely more athletic and can make him miss more. And Dak is a little bit more of a bigger guy. But uh, 
Mahomes is much more dangerous as a passer. Um, Carr is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, no, Blake. That's uh, no, no, no. They can't. Props to the Raiders defensive arm for coming out, though. Now the top-selling jersey in all of America. Okay. Uh, your thoughts on the Supreme Kevin Belong Kev Belargo says uh, your thoughts on the Supreme Court's Justice Brett Kavanaugh uh, written opinion that NC business model would be illegal if uh, applied to any other businesses. I trust his legal acumen on that. I understand what that means if you think about it. Look, Kevin, everybody, we all know this. Once you start to make this a for-profit business focused first, everybody's going to want theirs, right? Once you, big TV money, big gate money, all the money spent on facilities, all the money spent to coaches, everybody's going to want theirs, right? We knew we were headed this way. We all knew we were headed this way. So, um, I think the NCAA could have done things years ago to make this a little better and to maybe, maybe not stop this, but maybe kind of hold it off a little. The dam is broken and changes are massively coming. Playoffs, more teams in the playoffs, money focused, name, image, and likeness. God knows who's going to control that, how we're going to control it. They're, they're going to just do what the hell you want to do. I mean, I, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be real interesting to see how it goes. Uh, Blake says, asks, uh, can you touch on the Eagles losing their last game on purpose? Do you think cost their head coach a job and was it? No. Uh, well, I mean, in a direct way, yeah, it did. The head coach didn't want to do that. That came from the front office. It wasn't like the head coach is going to lose the day. That's not what the players or the coaches wanted. Um, I think it was pretty obvious some of the decisions came down from somebody other than the head coach. And I think that that animosity over that and other things led to it. Remember, they've got a general manager in Philly that's not a football guy. And his main title is, you know, vice president in charge of taking credit and shifting blame. Um, Which at Kings, how much does the ability of your linemen to move in the open field influence how you uh, use screens and ba to backs? Well, it's not so much into that. Um, that doesn't that that doesn't have as much impact on the screens, although it does some. It has a lot to do with whether you pull, whether you run trap, whether you run power, uh, more than anything else. But to me, the ability to run screens is more about the ability to block the tight end in the receiver position. Um, Blake says, uh, also I have Amazon Prime. Tell me what I need to do to help using my Prime membership via Twitch, and I will download it. I think you've, you've done it, Blake. You, if, you're a, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you're, you're, you're included. Just you know, click on um, subscribe. Just make sure that you're subscribed, Blake. And uh, if you're not subscribed, I think you're following us on YouTube. Blake, if you would uh, just follow us on uh, Twitch, go to Twitch, go to LandryFootball.com, click follow Chris on Twitch, or go to um, twitch.tv slash ChrisLandryFootball, and then, then follow there. You can follow us on Twitch instead of YouTube. It's probably probably a little bit better for us, but either way, it's good. Let's see um, what my man, uh, let's see, I can't read this here. 
uh super curly one the man the myth the god the oh gosh um i'm from london england <laughs> win the euro 2020 don't know about that my fan uh when you refer to coaching do you mean coaching uh or the originators not the uh coaching or the originators not the administrators I'm not quite sure what that means there um uh, 49ers offensive line thoughts uh it is um Group that's still pretty good. I think struggled some last year due to injuries, but I think it's still a pretty good unit. So that's some thoughts. Hey, some good thoughts and questions today. So basically, uh, you got the offensive schemes done for you. We're going to get into key position battles. We'll have that up more in detail on LandryFootball.com. We'll get to the recruiting updates as well. Uh, maybe we'll get to some of this tomorrow in the Landry Football Podcast. So join us on the same Twitch channel where you're watching us today, um, or if you choose to watch us on YouTube or Facebook, but that, that's fine too. We, we love you on Twitch, but um, do that. We'll be back for the Landry Football Podcast. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's went on behind the scenes in detail with the LSU baseball search and tie it into a Michigan coaching search that I was involved in football-wise. Um, some interesting things, some stories that, you know, pull, peel behind the curtain and, um, I think you'll find that fun. And then, again, time permitting, we'll get into maybe some um, some key position battles in the NFL and maybe get into some recruiting talk if we have time. So remember, check out and sign up for Landry Football's conference call now to listen to the Landry Football podcast. And, again, we are going to be transitioning that over, um, we, we think, to Podcast Park with the folks in Atlanta which is really going to be good. Some exciting things when we're able to talk about it. We appreciate it. And Blake, uh, appreciate you. Um, UFA, gosh, I, don't, I, don't, I know I'm going to pronounce it. UFA, Cafe, Super, Cyclone Blake, as we mentioned, Kev Belargo, all of you, Woodshed King, Rich Coach, all of you that joined us today. Please spread the word about what we're doing here, what we're doing on all the podcasts. Uh, as well as LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the scouting offer today and get all the detailed information over at LandryFootball.com. Thank you so much. Have a great day. We'll talk to you manana. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.